0: Hey everybody, welcome back to tier one talks. Kevin Easley here and once again, I'm bringing you a couple guests that Have done a career that you would probably never even thought existed, but it's a really fucking cool job And they did it and they've moved on from it and they're doing something else now Um, I'm sitting in Academy Southwest in San Diego, California, and I'm with Brett Christensen and Mike Castillo Brett is the owner of Christensen combatives Mike's working with him on that project and their history and background is really cool, we're gonna talk about it. Um, once again, these are friends of mine that I'm bringing to you because not everybody gets to talk to people like this. And I do. Uh, my world has expanded. I met Brett um, through a mutual friend. that's already been on the podcast and also through Instagram. And I met Mike through Brett. And these are really good dudes that have uh, been there, done that, gone back for more. And so without further ado, Brett, Mike, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Glad
0: to be Thanks. here. Oh, you bet. So um, just so the guests, I, I have not done a, a double guest podcast before, so this is going to be fun and interesting. Fortunately, you guys do not sound alike. That's you know, good. Yeah. You know, Brett sounds like he's always going to kick someone's ass, and, and Mike sounds like he's like the fun guy at the party. There so there, there we go. <laughs> going at the party.
1: I'm just a big teddy bear at the end of the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, you ever hug me, I'm going to run because <laughs> i think if you hug me i might die i mean like if you, you guys will see brett like i'll tell you where to find brett at the end of the show and you'll see him and he, he is a bear of a man like you think you're big sorry you're not brett's big <laughs> so um brett tell me a little bit about how you got into this world um not where i don't want to hear about coming out of mom though
1: no no we'll leave that out so uh, everyone knows that story <laughs> yeah <laughs> no um I mean, my career started within this world, not even thinking of it at all, to begin with. Um, I grew up in Colorado, kind of a hippie. At the end of the day, I was into backpacking, mountain biking, that was my world, the rivers. Uh, And then I saw, I was actually waiting to go to Hawaii one winter with a friend who used to travel the summers, and I saw the Coast Guard helicopter out at Morrow Bay, and I was like, oh, that was kind of fun. I did mountain search and rescue, swift water rescue, saw the rescue swimmer that route cool that looks fun yeah so I joined the Coast Guard and initially thinking hey I'm gonna be a rescue swimmer well I don't swim very well in reality
0: you mean you didn't swim open ocean in Colorado
1: no not a lot there so crazy I know right (laughs) (laughs) but uh so yeah as I put it I had three years in the regular Coast Guard I was on a uh, 378 which at the time was the biggest ship they had and thinking I was going to do the rescue swimmer thing. Other people had other plans. So I kind of went to the bosun mate route of driving the small boats, doing that kind of stuff. And they were all, and I had no idea about this at the time, uh, the tactical law enforcement attachments. And they were like, oh, you're going to go do the CD world and be the LE kind of, like, okay, what's this? Start learning some of the stuff that was going on at the time. I was like, well, that sounds super fun. So Fast forward three years from my time on the Cutter, um, I went to Pack Tackle here in San Diego, and that just kind of got me in it. Then,
0: yeah. Well, i tell you what, here's the funny thing, is that like you're speaking in acronyms like it's common language to you, but I'll tell you right now, when most people think of the Coast Guard, they think of the white and orange helicopter, the white and orange ship breaking ice, everything you just said, 90% of the people in the world, probably 99% of the people have no idea the Coast Guard does those missions. Correct. Yeah. You know so yeah,
1: usually we think uh what the intro to Baywatch years ago a little orange bird going to the beach and that's it uh no coast guard's got tactical law enforcement attachments that's the uh, counter drug and they deploy mostly navy uh, assets and they can be anywhere in the world and that's primarily doing the counter drug piece all the go fast um, the most famous one recently the guy on the Semi-submersible banging on the hatch. Yeah, open up. Yep. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the leadet mission, the law enforcement attachment uh, mission down there. So did that and then uh, did that for a few years. Then I went over to uh, MSRT, which is the Maritime Security Response Team out of Chesapeake, Virginia. And that is the counterterrorism team for the Coast Guard, which, again, most people don't know. What? Yeah, does the Coast Guard have a counterterrorism team? Well, they do. So, I spent time on one of the direct action sections out there doing that whole mission set. And yeah, a lot of stuff that, you know, places the, uh, like, why are you in Iraq, Djibouti, yeah. all over the world, you know, Russia, whatever, and uh, places that most people don't think the Coast Guard's going to be.
0: Yeah, piracy, Getting counterterrorism.
1: terrorism, counter piracy over there. So, uh, a lot of fun. And I wouldn't say I miss it but I
0: miss it. (laughs) I think that's normal for everybody. You know, like when, when you get so far deep into something, you, it becomes part of you and you become part of it. Mm -hmm. And, and it takes, it's kind of like losing fat. You know, like I I heard once that like when you go to lose body fat, like it takes twice the amount of time to lose the fat that you put on and it goes in the reverse order. It's like, Oh fuck, no, you know, never get fat, but people do anyway. And they, they just give up and don't give a shit. But the uh, the whole concept of that is is that like all these careers that that swallow us up they, they tattoo themselves on the inside of your skin you mm-hmm. know like they become part of your soul and you, you try to walk away from it you try to move away you try to stop doing it and do something different and it, it's it's in you. you you don't really get it out it's, it's like it's an invisible ink that's always weeping through your skin that it is so uh mike let's talk all right, let's do it. <laughs> uh, so you met Brett through the Coast Guard quite some time
2: ago. I did. That was all the way back in uh, 2006. Uh, kind of like my background, I was a search and rescue engineer in Florida. Just having fun doing rescues off the beach. Uh, wasn't Baywatch. Sure. Yeah, pretty much the Baywatch. 30 miles in, that was my little territory. I uh, did some time in Panama City, Florida, and down in Clearwater off of Tampa. But uh, wasn't sure if I was going to make the Coast Guard a career, had a really good buddy that was already part of the program that Brett just mentioned and he said hey you should fly out to San Diego come meet the team take you to the office maybe see some training that we do maybe it'll spark something in you and I I came out to San Diego California for the first time and it it did it sparked it right in me so I I put in to go to the uh, selection and assessment up in Cape Cod back in 2006 and that's where I met Brett Uh, we were uh, It's only a you know it's a short selection just to see if you're physically and mentally prepared to go to the next phase uh, of the uh, training cycle but uh, brett was actually part of my squad about a 10 15 man squad and they're running us through the ringer constantly through the day Uh, what i didn't know when the instructors went around they already had team members that were fully qualified embedded into the student uh, aspect of the training so when we weren't being watched what we thought we weren't being watched uh, we were being evaluated 24 hours a day from the time we got up to how we interacted, you know, when we were being tasked to do things to how we time managed it, you know, ourselves to just general attitude. And uh, Brett was one of those guys. So lo- that was my first experience to him.
0: I love that. I, I love that concept. Um, two two things on that. Like, first off, it's a selection process, right? So you're there, there's an organization that has something you want. You want to be part of something, and they're, they're looking at you and saying, okay, you want to be part of it, prove it, right? Um, and that's, that's, that carries over to life. That carries over to everything in life. It carries over to a youth football team. It carries over to you know, a group at work in the office building. It carries over to any tactical unit. But people don't realize that when you go for a selection, you're always being evaluated in every single thing you do. I just had this conversation with my uh, freshman son, who um, he was at football practice. He's a quarterback, he just fo- trying to follow in the footsteps of his older brother. He's he has all he has the physical skill sets to be successful. And um, I went to his practice and I, I watched him, and, and uh, he missed a couple throws, and he's dancing around like out in the field. And so I'm like, okay, well I'm gonna go finish my run. Went and finished my run, came back, picked him up, asked him how it went. He says, good, da 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 and I said, I saw you miss a few throws. I don't know if it was the receiver's fault or your fault, but in between, I saw you dancing. He says, oh, you saw that? And I said, yeah, I saw that. I said, and, you know, I just want to remind you, you're always being watched. Absolutely. You know, like your, your head coach, he's looking at you, and the quarterback coach is looking at you, offensive coordinator is looking at you, and he's going, is this the kid I'm going to trust with the keys of the offense? You know, I'm trying to, you know, apply that to his life you know and I'd, i've never heard of a selection process that embeds qualified operators already in the selection process but i think that concept is badass yeah. I, I, I think it's badass. it's like how how has that slipped through the cracks over the years how come that's not happening
2: more often yeah it was kind of funny how that ended up in the very end you know we had some very rigorous ways that we started our day from you know getting your tray of chow and maybe eating it out of a dumpster in five minutes and then getting out on the training facility. But on the very last day when you decide if you're going to get selected or not, uh, there was about 15 guys missing. Those were all the operators that were already embedded into the team. And then they call you into a room, and they're dressed up with their big, shiny gold badges, and we go, oh, they were already here for a reason.
0: Yeah, pretty cool. (laughs) And at least least you don't have any doubts at that point, you know? that like, hey, you know, like, I've already started to prove myself a little bit. Now I know that, like, I'm on the right track, yeah. you know. Um, I get a lot of questions um, from people choosing to go to academies and selection processes. And um, I have yet to find one that doesn't involve running. Did yours? Uh,
2: lots of running, lots of swimming, many other things. Uh, you can lead you can somebody pretty quick when you come to physical fitness. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I tell I tell people all the time. Um, you better be prepared to run a good ten miles a day minimum. You know, it, it just it just seems that way, and it and and not in your comfy footwear. You know, you gotta harden yourself up because people want to break you off, make you run in boots, whether it's firefighting boots or mm-hmm. military it's boots. boots. <laughs> yeah,
1: wet and cold.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, so, let's talk a little bit about that selection process. What were some of the things that you ended up doing?
2: Ah. Uh, So there were about 250 approximately applicants that put in to go they only took roughly 50 guys uh we had you know five or six guys they just got medically removed because they couldn't continue to go forward but i mean from day one you got guys from like an e4 all the way up to you know e8 trying to come to this community uh from different various job aspects of the coast guard Uh, because once you get selected then you go to the unit and that's when your training cycle begins but it's it's like boot camp times 100 get you off the bus and plus you've kind of kind of shaken all that new guy stuff off you know you've been in the Coast Guard five ten years and now you're being told exactly what to do when to be somewhere when to wake up when to eat Uh, so that in itself is a little shock and all I think for some of the older guys I was roughly 26 so I had a little bit a little bit more time on my side than some but uh, they went through your bags as soon as you got off anything that's considered contraband supplements caffeine, things that could help you through the course that wasn't on the checklist that you were supposed to have. Obviously, no cell phones, anything else that, you know, could give you an edge on another guy. So that in itself, uh, tobacco was a big thing, too. Some guys that, you know, maybe were dippers. They took That's that stuff away from there, too. Real quick. That's <laughs> a funny yeah, there's, one. <laughs> there's a story on that one, too. I yeah. got an integrity check from Brett halfway through the assessment.
0: Oh, this would uh, be a good story.
2: Yeah. So they just tried to take away, you know, things that, you're, that make you comfortable. And then it starts, you know, toes on the line, just like in boot camp. got a little triangle you stand on and they dress you down. They, they tell you exactly what to expect. They tell you what's maybe gonna help you get through it. And then at any time you can drop on requests, they call it DOR. You can raise your hand and go up and, you know, ring the bell and then you're back on the bus the next day.
0: How come it's so hard to find those people that quit?
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no
0: one ever says, yeah, I quit. It's, I got hurt. I got, you know, I failed, I failed this run. I broke my leg. You know, no one ever says, yeah, I just didn't want it bad enough and I quit. You know, afterwards, after they quit that pain of regret.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's that big ego check. They would rather think of a way that, you know, it wasn't my fault. I didn't necessarily quit. I, they find that out and then that becomes their new truth. Yeah, just failed the particular runtime, like you said, or yeah. you know, go out for some medical issue that maybe wasn't um, realistically as bad as the, you know they made it out to be, but they use that as they're out because, quite honestly, at that point, then your heart and soul's not in it. Yeah. Um. So.
0: Yeah, I get in trouble all the time at home. You know, raising three boys and a girl. I I say something around the house all the time. My wife gets mad at me, and you know something happens with my boys, and I, and I just turn and look at them I said, "You know, God hates quitters." <laughs> and my wife, he does not. You know that's that's not in the Bible. I said, "Yeah, it is. So it's in the book of Kevin." You know, I'll show you the chapter and verse later. <laughs> you know, just but yeah, I, quit, quitting is something that um, it's ugly. It's ugly and it's personal. You know, and yep. and and you know, there's such a shame involved in it. And once, once people make a habit of it, it's addictive. It becomes easy, you know? And uh, it's probably why, I, like, you know, throughout my life I've been, you know, a lot like anyone else that ends up in special teams, you end up kind of becoming a masochist of like, you know, when something gets hard, you go, fuck it, I'm not gonna quit. I, I am not quitting, I'm gonna make it, you know? And then you, you have you ever passed out running? I passed out running recently.
1: Haven't done running, but got a good one on that one with a strongman competition. Oh, I want to hear it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was um, 2017, I believe it was. Um, qualified for Masters Nationals, which was at the Olympia in Vegas. And I was just coming back from running a green team for the new unit out of San Diego, where Mike was helping stand that main unit up at. Uh, had an injury up there, whatever, come back down. Go to Nationals, we're doing a keg carry. It was a 250-pound keg for as far as you could carry this thing.
0: It's about one foot for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I forget what I got. Um, I tied that event for second place, but I actually, trying to get it, I passed out, and it's on film of me just 100% blackout and just tumbled over this keg as it falls. And I thought I instantly got up and was like, oh, well, you know, I tripped or something. And they're like, no, you were out for like a good 10 seconds. Yeah. I just boom, hit the ground and oh, okay, cool. Did I win? No?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Um I think that's a, a that's a um, a quality that for people getting into special units is something that I think that I would call it grit, you know. Someone's determination. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so important. It's so important to be part of a team, to have that grit and, and the the value of the team before self, you know, and, and believing in something bigger than yourself, it's huge. Absolutely. Yep. So I want to hear the integrity check on on Mike.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, we, we both tell it exactly the same. We're sitting about six inches from each other, trying to not freeze our you-know-what's off in yep. the, the middle of Cape Cod winter.
1: I think that was after the uh, leadership reaction course, if I remember, right? Mm-hmm. So it was one of the wet courses, so, yeah, it's, you know, Cold, water, we're wet. They're figuring out, you know, what's happening next. So it's just hug each other pretty much, get that little huddle, try to stay warm until they tell you the next little piece. Um, again, yeah, I had contraband on me, uh, had my dip. <laughs> so break it out of you know, my pocket, start packing a dip and uh, look over at Mike, can the can. Hey, you want one, you know, just a little one, no big deal. And uh, no, nah, he didn't take it. He said he wanted to so bad, he's like, nope. I'm gonna take that. And wow. You didn't know that at the time, yeah. But you know, a little bit of a what's going on here, Are you gonna do it or not? But
0: Hey So yeah. if he had taken it, you would have had to report that.
1: Yeah, then it would be one of those little things like, you know, find cadre, hey, mark this down in his little file book they kept on everybody of what's going on and
2: Yeah, because they weren't I mean there were guys there that were maybe more physically fit than others. There were there were guys there that were obviously were not. But like you, you talk about grit, maybe you call it heart. I mean you can't train Heart. No. You can make someone faster. You can make them swim better. You know, you can make them stronger. But if you don't come with that heart and that integrity, integrity is a big thing. And kind of the definition, I, I tell my three daughters, it's just doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Yeah. And uh, that was my one, my one little check that I, I, I didn't get dinged in my book. Because no one's expected to do everything perfect. No, no, you know, no, no one is perfect. Eventually, and then you got to fail quickly and admit it and then pick yourself up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because so much of this team life that we've all had parallels to raising children, too. And especially when you get into leadership positions and you start running squads, you know, like your guys or gals in the squads, they're, they're basically teenage children. You know, like you, you care for them. You love for them. You have to discipline them. You protect them from from the outside chain of command. Um, you, you, know, you give them expectations. They disappoint you. You reinform them. It's, it's such, a, such a parallel. It's not even funny. Um, but there are key values that um, I found, like you just said. You know, what, what are the key values that you embody into your teammates or you expect out of your teammates or out of yourself? You know, it's funny because um, I think about that a lot. Like, what are the words that mean the most to me? Like, when I look at my guys... And um, I'm blessed with the people I work with immediately on, on my squad. And um, I know they have my back. And I also know that they have integrity, that they're, they're competent, they have integrity, and they're loyal. And th- those three things right there, and they're humble. That's the other thing. Like hum- humility, never assuming they know enough, um, always wanting to get better, no training evolution is below them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now that doesn't that that doesn't parallel to teenagers because teenagers know everything. They do. But, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, that, it, and it's funny how like here I am in one one side of the world and that crosses over into your world. You know, it's the same thing. It's human dynamics, and I, I just um, just did a, a podcast recently. I was telling you guys about it with. A buddy of mine from Echelon Front, and one of their big mantras is relationships equal mission success. And That's I took one. I, I took that away from it because I, I enrolled in their courses. They've been giving fire guys free courses. So I, I've been taking their courses and, like, man, that, that one sticks. You know, that, that sticks for, for marriage. It sticks for raising kids. It sticks for small team dynamics. It sti- sticks for corporations. Relationships equal mission success. It's powerful. That is. Yeah. Write that down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Check that one. So, but anyway, so how many years did you guys do in in the Coast Guard?
2: Uh see. I retired in 2017. Total 21 years. Um, I was part of the community for roughly 13 and a half. And then, you know, the, the other few some odd years I was doing that search and rescue. But, uh, yeah, it was bittersweet leaving. Uh, I left for certain variables. Uh, family was first. So, uh, I, I did my 21 and, had the option to, you know, I was supposed to be advancing to the next level, pay grade, if you will, and uh, they were going to ship me off to a place I didn't really want to go, and I would have to voluntarily leave my family again. So I feel like I did my service to the nation. Yeah, I got a job and started a new career and got out. Yeah, Now I'm able to drive my kids to school and help out and do homework for once in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the unit you were in, that last one, it's the tactical – Let's go over it again.
2: Yeah, so the, the, the first one we me and Brett were both at was the uh, Pacific Area Tactical Law Enforcement Team, or PAC-TACLIT. Yeah. They're just a small 10- and 15-man teams that go out on the Navy ships and do the counter drug missions.
0: So that the Navy can stop ships, right? Yep. So you have the law enforcement of the United States yeah, the Department of Transportation.
2: Weird. Yeah, back uh, in the day, DOT, yeah. that's where right? we were. Now DHS.
0: Yeah, that's right, because we created yeah. a new agency. So,
1: uh, yeah, because the Navy ships, they cannot actually board a vessel. Positcomitatis is the law there. Act of war, right? So, having those Coast Guard leadettes on there, they actually hoist the uh, Coast Guard ensign just before the boarding, and technically, then it's a Coast Guard asset, which means oh, now we have the authority to go on and board
0: those vessels. What a, what a bitch and shell game! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: And a little loophole in there, yeah, um, yeah, do the boarding, whatever happens, happens, you know, and then okay, it's all said and done, lower that ensign, now it's back under DOD control again.
0: So, so that's the pack let. Pac-Tac-Let, yep, and Tac-tac-let.
2: then uh, the one we did the majority of our uh, specialized uh, force career with was with the MSRT, the Maritime Security Reaction Team. That's one in San Diego, and then one in Chesapeake, Virginia.
0: And those those four were deployed, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah,
2: because um, like you guys are talking about a lot of
0: stuff that's very similar to other uh, another maritime branch. Yes, like you're talking about like green team and selection and, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, so that process was that. Um, mimicked from their process?
1: In many ways, yes. So when the whole concept kind of started for the Coast Guard, uh, it was actually a lot of Army, -Army, ex-Army contractors that were coming in, filling those GS positions, helping stand the initial unit up out of uh, Chesapeake, Uh where I did my time out of. Uh, So a lot of it was kind of molded after their ideas of bringing people up through the community and to those higher level teams. Uh, Since then, I would say for the better uh, i love the army guys i have got some great knowledge out of them but obviously they are not as much maritime so they started getting some of the navy personnel in there helping also with the tactics and how that unit kind of runs so it's a really good thing is you have both uh, yeah you, uh, you enemies come in really so you got to pick from both of them and see what really works best for you and it's a little bit of a mix
0: uh, that yeah way. yeah vbss versus you know, taking down port facilities. Right. Different it's, it's different min- missions entirely, yeah. you know, and coming from water or coming from air, different missions. Correct, yeah. You know, and, and obviously those different units do everything really well. Yep. Um, they have the same skill sets, have the same concepts, same mindsets. They just deploy them differently. Correct, yeah. Yeah. And within the
1: Coast Guard piece, I mean, it's not only just the ships. You know, it's also land structures, like you said, port facilities. That's a different animal to tackle than a vessel. So you've got to really be
0: well-rounded on all that. Yeah. And uh, somewhat submersibles, from, you, know, tra- you know, transporting rubber dog shit from, you know, Southern America yep. to the beaches <laughs> of California. Yeah. Thank you, Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there right now, so. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can do it, but uh, you guys probably can't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Vice President Harris is going to the border sometime next year. <laughs> I think that's what she said. Yep. Um, that's really cool. So, so it was PAC-TAC-LET was the first one, and then the the MSRT. What is it?
2: Uh, MSRT.
0: MSRT. Yeah. Marine Spe- uh, Maritime Security Mar- Response Team. Maritime Security Response Teams. Yep. Those are the ones that got forward deployed through Middle East,
2: Correct. Europe. Yeah, main all that. main mission set is uh, they do a short notice maritime response, so they can be deployed. Anywhere in the world, wills up in four hours. Uh, so the west and the east coast, we kind of divide the world in half.
0: That's an that's an incredible demand.
2: Yeah, and that's that's their whole training mission. They you know they're on a cycle. They you're either training, you're deployed, or you're in your Charlie period. But that means you're back, and you're just getting ready to get back into the cycle. Maybe take leave, go to a school specialty somewhere, you know, mend some marriages, and then right back into it.
0: How 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 long is that cycle between training, deploying, and, and it's, it's varied time over off. the
2: years, but about rotating between six and nine months, closer to nine months now.
0: Wow! So three months, three months, three months type looking. Uh, more a,
2: nine, nine, and
0: nine. Nine, nine, and nine. nine, nine. nine.
2: nine. Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> What's the divorce rate in that unit? High. That's that's hard. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep.
0: Nine months deployed. Yep. That, that's a long deployment one of those aspects that people like coast guard
1: really yeah for that long that's a normal navy army type deployment you know so
2: yeah we're out there that's tough yeah we cross deck with other dod assets and other dhs assets it's it's a really weird mix when you're you're dhs but you can also be considered dod during certain times of of war and, and different like law enforcement aspects so it's it's not uncommon to see two different services and the coast guard you know For deployed in a different part of the world where there's not even, you know, any other Coast Guard around. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're like, wait, where's your ship? You're like, "Uh, I am that ship. (laughs) 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 See see this flag on my hat? That's the Coast Guard ensign. It came with me.
2: That's right. Yeah.
0: Wow. Brett, tell me about yours. Yeah, so
1: 20 years as well. uh, I wasn't ready to advance or anything, but I was definitely ready to get out my time and uh loved every minute of it but it was time to move on get that other path going so my uh, 20-year mark came up i said i'm out honestly didn't really have like a huge plan uh, from there <laughs> it was uh linked up with doing some contracting overseas because obviously well you get drawn in by the money there uh, yeah and what skills do i have so and mike was down here at academy at the time it's like, hey, I might have a gig for you here. It's like, all right, well, I, either way it plays out, I can either you know do the contract end San Diego, or if this gig works out, I'm good. So, uh, yeah, packed up, moved back here to San Diego, and luckily got in on this job that was a little iffy at first. So, I uh, had a couple of contracts lined up; those fell through just due to uh, Manning issues. So, wasn't sure what was happening did my interview here and initially didn't get the job. They called me, said, nope, sorry you didn't get it. Next day, got another call back. Uh, you still want that job? I was like, uh, yeah, because I was really wondering what was going to be going on. I was on terminal leave, but about to, you know, a couple more weeks of paychecks and I was going to be done. So um, yeah, got the job. And funny enough, I actually started the day all the COVID lockdowns hit. So they were in the middle of a navy course here, uh, which is what we teach, and that got canceled. And then I was like, "Do I still have a job?" Because yeah, nothing to teach, yeah, <laughs> That's nothing what I'm to been teach. Hired for, yeah, uh, yeah. So they were like, "No, you're still good. We got that." Uh, so kind of just really lucked out because at that time too, all the contracting obviously stopped. It's just now picking back up again. So I lucked out on that piece, and that just kind of also brought us to. Uh, sitting around one day, literally, in the uh, little team lounge out there, going, what else are we going to do? Like, this is cool, but we can do more. And, yeah. Uh, talking with mutual friend Rick Hogg, in yep. fact, with uh, he had kind of had the idea of, like, dude, you, you can do more. So, sitting around Mike and I on a napkin, going to start a company. Came in the next day, said, hey, put in the paperwork. We're now in business. Yeah, that's how Christians and Combatas Then came along out of that whole piece. So just a wild
0: idea, and we're going with it. It's amazing how you can take an idea, and as long as you have the courage to step forward and do it, it will happen. Mm-hmm. It will happen. I mean, you're going to have. You're in business. You're you're in business, and you're you're running classes, and you know you put good classes up on the internet or Instagram, I should say. Um, you'll have attendance sometimes, sometimes it won't be at maximum capacity, but there's a thirst out there for, first off, for what you guys know how to do. Um, you know, the world's changed gun ownerships through the roof. People want, bought guns like crazy. And now they want to know how to use them. They need to have people that can teach them actually how to use them, how to, how to move with them, how to shoot them, how to, how to clean them. All those, all those little factors that the, the little details of it. But the moral of the story is that you decide to do it, and, and you did it, and it's going forward. And people don't understand that, that you, you, you closed a door, a chapter of your life, and you spent 20 years plus serving the United States through the Coast Guard, you know, putting the country before yourself, and you're still young. You, know, you guys are relatively young. You guys are you're in your 40s, right, both of yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm the oldest one here. Um, and you you have the opportunity to still work another 20, 30 years to do something else. And that's something that is, I think it's lost on the generation that's coming out right now. You know, I just had a, a kid graduate again. And she's wondering what she's going to do with her life. And I keep telling her, you don't need to worry about that. You just, you don't need to worry about that. You have so many years ahead of you that you will be able to reinvent yourself two to three times, maybe four, maybe five. You know, the, the day of the, someone doing something for their entire life, that's few and few people and very far between, and it might actually be over, you know. It's kind of like how I, I did this Tier 1 Athletes. I'm closing my door of working in a great career. I, I did, in the end, it will be 33 years of getting on red vehicles and, and doing really cool shit, flying on helicopters and, um, riding boats and climbing, you know, climbing on ropes and going in drug tunnels and cutting people out of cars and the, the stuff that people want you know, would actually pay to do, but I get paid to do it. But that day will come that I'll walk away from it just like you guys did and I'll do something else and just reinvent. And it's just a matter of having the maturity, the vision of, like, this is what I'm doing now, putting it on paper, solidifying it, you know, and you, you I'm I'm sure you went down and you did the the um LLC Christian Soon yep. Combatives, you know, made it happen, made it formal business, declared a business, you did declared your fictitious business name and bam, done.
1: Yep. Is it really that easy?
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It's a, it it's amazing. It's an American dream. It's w- it's what this country's built on. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I think hope that's
2: re- like kind of like when people listen to podcasts like this and dads and dudes like us yeah. continue to kind of push that that scripture to people. Maybe that will spark something in them to kind of bring that back into the world. You know? Yeah. I preach to my daughters all the time, just like you do to your kids. Don't be limited by factors. No. You don't have to pick what you're going to be the day you graduate high school. You don't even have to go to college right off the bat if you don't want to. You can let life kind of figure itself out, but pick something that you want to do in
0: life. Yeah.
2: Outside factors limit you.
0: Right. I, I'm of I'm of the opinion that you don't in, in this day and age with so much information being readily available at everyone's fingertips. I mean, for Christ's sake, we all walk around with a, a million dollar computer in our pocket. Right. You know that 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 phone could have landed on the moon in 1969, <laughs> right? And every kid from the age of probably it's probably down to like five years old now has iPhones. Oh uh, yeah. You know, I mean, like, crap. I, I, I have my phone bill has six phones on it. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm just like, holy Jesus, <laughs> help me, Lord. Um, but those phones are so powerful. And there's so much knowledge there. Elon Musk, you know, flat out said, he's one of those. Now, I'm not saying every person's as smart as Elon Musk. But Elon Musk did not go to college. Yep. You know, and when he's saying, yeah, college is overrated, you might want to listen to the guy. Yes. You know, he was changing the world right in front of us. And he's saying college is not necessary, you know, and Trades. You, you want to see people making a lot of money right now, right now, trades, yep. plumbers, welders, mechanics. You know, no, no one wants that
1: blue collar job, though, that, you know, requires some actual labor. That's one of the problems I feel right now in uh, kind of the society where we're at.
0: Well, I think, I think right now we have a problem where people have been encouraged not to work. Yes. That's the problem.
1: That's the problem for sure right now.
0: Yeah. And like, obviously we, the three of us sitting here, we still want to work. Oh, yeah. You know, we want a lifestyle that comes from, you know, fruits of labor. You know, you can you can be paid to live. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is America. Unfortunately, that's that's the way it is now. And, and until we have a regime change, people are going to get paid to live. They're going to get paid to be alive. They're going to get paid to use their heroin. They're going to be, you know, provided Narcan. Hey, you, you know, don't, if you overdose, don't worry, we got Narcan for you. Right. We're not going to put you in a program to get off heroin, but we're going to provide you Narcan. That's how fucked up we are right now. You know. So, um, But you know, when people are getting paid $500, 600 a week to not go to work, you know, no wonder hamburger stands are saying $250 sign-on bonus, $18 an hour. Who would have thought that In-N-Out or McDonald's would be paying someone $18 an hour? Yeah. Would you've ever seen that in your in your like vision?
2: It's almost a desirable career to have now for like a sixteen-year-old kid.
0: <laughs> oh God, you, the, the money they can make is insane.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I was making what four twenty-five was a minimum wage I think when I started washing right? dishes at a local restaurant, and you know that was enough to throw a little gas in the car, you know, maybe something else, and that was it. But yeah, you, know, you started down at the bottom, and I still don't get the whole idea of living off the government and taking your extra stipends on unemployment or anything like that. To me, that's just not personally living. No. It's, uh, you know, you're just getting by and you're really happy though or anything. Is that enough to do? No. I'd rather make my way and you know, kind of earn my living and do it
0: on my terms. So Yeah. That, that to me is like definition of manhood, you know, earn my living, do it on my terms. I like that. We're working on a raise for you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, do you see how this is all going to come full circle? Yeah, gonna, I'm just
2: waiting for the for the, uh, the left flank to come in here in just a second.
0: <laughs> so the real reason we're here, Brett, is to get Mike a raise.
2: <laughs> we're working man, on that. Start working, man. <laughs> you know, and, and and on top of uh, you know just talking about working and, and earning your living and you know making your own future, besides just starting a company and working a nine to five job and all of us being dads go to school full-time in college trying to learn another trade i know that's not what this is about no no it actually is we're, yeah. we're going there yeah
0: let's, let's go there now
2: yeah we like you know sitting around doing Christian and combatives and working nine to five me and brett sabal what else is there that we can do anybody oh, else I would be boy, super you. satisfied you got a full-time job get your own company you know and the jobs are pretty cool i would say i mean we get yeah. paid to teach people how to do things oh you
0: guys have badass jobs i mean let's let, let's be honest <laughs> you guys get to shoot guns and teach people to shoot guns for a living in, in a pr- premier facility, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, the, the indoor range, pretty cool. You have you have a nice gym here. You guys get paid to beat people up or teach people how to beat people up, right? There's yep. you know like, there's mats out there for combatives. I mean, it's fun. It's it. You guys have a job that's not really work anymore. You have to be here, but it's, it's not work now. It, it it it's social. It's yep. social cool guy shit.
1: Yeah. Right. Definitely.
0: The only thing it's missing is a, a cigar lounge and a, and, and a whiskey bar.
1: We're working on that. Dave. Working on that. <laughs> right? Probably gonna be way down the road, but yeah, it'll happen.
0: Well, my facility in Texas will have that. I'm just letting you know it'll have coffee in the morning, whiskey at night, cigars. It'll be have a gym, jiu jitsu mats, and a podcast studio. And you guys oh, will it'll be work welcome. For you. <laughs> you guys can come work there anytime and hang out there anytime. It'll be wide open. That's about four or five years away right
1: now. Yeah, that's kind of my target plan on some
0: other things. Yeah. But you guys are going to school for what, Mike?
2: Yeah, so, uh, you know, right now we're going to school. we got, what, three weeks left? Three weeks left, yep. Three weeks out of almost a year of online schooling, and uh, we, we're going to open our own gunsmithing shop. Right. Uh, more often than not, we're on the range. Someone's gun goes down, and it normally is because it's dirty or mistreated, or they want to add a cool guy piece of accessory. And we used to just do it for free because they were good-paying clients with Christian Sink Combatives, so we get back on the napkin or the whiteboard. You go well. What would it take to open up another company? Oh, this time we got to go to college. Now you're looking at two middle, middle forty guys. I mean, Brett didn't even have a laptop till about two weeks ago. Let's get too. serious. i was going to college on my iPad and my phone. <laughs> hey,
0: dude, me too. I just I bought myself a MacBook for this podcast so I could engineer stuff. It's the first computer I bought for myself in my entire life. I'm 52 this year. Yeah. You know, it's not the first one I've owned. They've all gone to my kids right but my wife's like hey you need Go to buy first. one so i finally did it <laughs> nice and and i it's it's operating way above my capacity
2: it's almost embarrassing i have to ask my 8 and 10 year old like i had to download certain documents and and do slideshows and and cut and paste certain things on this this computer in front of me and they know how to do it cuz that's what the kids learn these days yeah, yeah. well
0: it's second nature to them yeah. and you know all of us got into our trades prior to that generation mm-hmm. you know i mean i got, when i got into my trade cell phones didn't exist Mm -mm. they literally did not exist internet did not exist i remember the internet being created during my career that's stupid (laughs) you know so so that's that's where i am you know and and now i'm pretty friendly with the internet on a phone getting better with the laptop getting better with all those applications writing documents like that desktops i've not had a problem with you know they've always i think all of our industries you know they they crush all of our spirits with death by PowerPoint. Yep. I'm sure you went through that in the Coast Guard. Oh yeah. Yeah, we do that. We, we call it clicking the red out. It's like, you know, there's this list of, list of red assignments that you're overdue on, and then supervisors, supervisors get pissed off. And so you got to open it, click it, view it, yep. close it, save it.
1: Now let's be honest about that general mandated training too, as they call it, you know, GMT. It's everybody like circled up here on the computers going, all right, you got question one, what's the answer? Cool, all right, what's question two? All right, you know, and you're all doing, it's kind of a waste of time. A lot of that, uh, like I said, death by a PowerPoint of just clicking the boxes, getting it done. And, uh,
0: yeah, computer-based yeah. training is almost a waste of time unless you make it interesting and interactive in some way. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it, that's lost on, on the nerds that build those computer-based training programs. It's, it's really lost on them. Yep. Because like the best way I teach Like, I mean, we're all teachers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you guys teach, I teach. Um, My mantra for teaching is see one, do one, teach one. There's no better way, right? Say, say like, you know, with what you're talking about, gunsmithing. Bolt carrier group of an AR-15.
2: Yep.
0: Confuses the shit out of me. I personally have never rebuilt one, personally. I'll take it out, and I'll get anxious that, like, oh, boy. I got to put that back in. You know? Did I take a picture before I took it out, right? Right, Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but if if I saw you take it apart, then you supervised me putting it back together, and then I taught you how I did it, yep. it's gonna solidify. Right?
2: Yeah.
0: And that's hands on. That's not computer. There there's no computer involved in that. I guess I guess our cell phones have taken a picture of it. Right. But that's it. You know? I think that's lost on on corporations and and agencies and entities that like, hey, you know, we got to push all this out. You know, it's okay to have didactic, but you got to follow up with manipulative mm-hmm. on the exact same issue. So mm-hmm. that's, that's my thought on that.
2: Yeah, and I, that, I mean, that's that. how that's why we picked, uh, you know, follow-on careers and companies that we were super interested in. Kind of, you know, figured ourselves subject matter experts. But we love being on the range. We love being in the shoot house, teaching, demonstrating, and now with opening this other one, we can take in better people's Understanding of how to take care of their, you know, home defense pieces, yeah, their weapons, the things that could save their lives, and then we can add cool stuff on it too. Yeah. Well,
0: and now everything's legal for right now.
2: Twenty eight more days. Twenty eight more days. <laughs> that's until, right
0: on, until the fourth of July. Oh Wait, no, on
2: the fourth of July North it of July, actually yeah. is
0: legal. Oh, that's right. That was that was you that sent out that yeah I saw that a meme. Memes <laughs> on that that we
1: were talking about the memes earlier. Those things are amazing. <laughs> oh man, so I so li- much fun.
0: Memes are like the highlight of my day now. Oh, they are, yeah. Like, like if I if I'm if I'm in a bad mood, I, I get on the on the uh, Instagram meme train. You know, get up there at the top where people are putting their stories. People always yep. put good memes on their stories, and it's like eventually, like I'll find somebody that's got a history of good ones, and I'll ha- he'll have me laughing to my, like I'm almost crying, <laughs> you know. And they're like, okay, I'm in a better mood now. I can move on. You yep. know, I got my fix.
1: God bless <laughs> the people that make all those up, because. <laughs>
0: Right, and then there's people out there that just uh, lord over them and steal them all, and then they just repost them. God yeah. bless them because I don't want to have to go looking too long.
2: One-stop shop.
0: Yeah. Um, so what, is the, uh, what platforms did you go to school for? Is it all platforms, or is it just one platform, or several? What would you
2: do? Yeah, so it's a general uh, certificate in gunsmithing, so you can kind of tailor your shop to what, uh, what you want it to be. So we're more focused on the the modern day, the pistol, the rifles, the shotguns, the yeah. more commonality things. Uh, you learn other things too, you know, antique weapons and how to make ammo and uh, sell and buy and trade and have auctions. But that's not really our wheelhouse, and that's the beauty of creating your own company. You can just kind of stick in your lane. And, you know, we'll network with other shops, and if there's other services people want, we'll push them out. Same same way with me and Brett and the other instructors that come here. There's work for everybody in this world, especially with as many gun owners have, you know, increased since you know COVID started, two point five million, I think it was, that was what the last number. Oh, I think it's way really above that now. Probably, yeah. yeah. I'm on the old phone and figure that out.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's an, it's insane the it's, number of yeah. new new owners, you know, and of course that created a huge problem. You know, um, we mm-hmm. were t- we were talking about it that day about you know running classes and how do you provide ammunition for ammunition, classes? Yeah, that's a huge. It's a huge one. Yep. You um, know. It's like that new meme going around show me you're rich without showing me money yeah people are dropping boxes of ammunition down ammo
2: lumber and fuel right now i think are the golden yeah <laughs> well yeah. i think too like in the shooting world for instructors it really challenges the instructor you know if you were a guy that took a client to the range and blasted a thousand rounds yeah you wore him out and he hit the target but now you have to add content to that you have to stretch that six eight hour block out and give them all different aspects of shooting, so it really challenged the instructor. And then, for the students or clients that are coming out, they really are starting to research who they want to go to. They don't want to just go out there and waste a thousand dollars in ammunition. They want to learn something to bring back and strengthen their training programs. Right. So,
0: yeah, I, I recently was working with a friend of mine that, he um, he has he's putting together his own facility over in Arizona, and he wanted to try out a lesson. He goes, "Hey, do you have some guys?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I, some you know I have had a had a place." Um, that I, I think we all know the place that's out here, <laughs> that, you know, out past Pink Pinkgate. Um, and uh, the owner says, yeah, yeah, come out. You got this four-hour window. I'm like, cool. Um, and he's, I, I asked him, like, what, what's the round count? And he says, 100 of each. I'm like, that's not bad, you know. And then um, he had a real creative way of doing it, which was, you know, all within seven yards, and the targets were about the size of a quarter, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it's like it, it parallels over, it crosses over. You, you know, a, a smart, good instructor such as you guys and him and some other guys that we all know, you have the ability to uh, bring efficacy from a small round count. It, it can be done because, like, the, the fundamentals are fundamentals. You know, it's, it's stance, it's grip, it's sight alignment, it's driving the gun. You know, if, if you can teach those things and through dry fire and then, you know, you don't need to be at 25 yards shooting 25 rounds at, at a full size bowling pin, mm-hmm. you know, to see if you got hits. You can be at that three, five, seven, you know, shooting quarters, and you know that'll that'll humble you real quick.
1: Yep. <laughs> Very quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: At least me. <laughs>
1: me too. Yeah. Yeah, so. and then it's just you know trying to read what the clients need these days. So a lot of it is that home self defense. They're not worried about you know the distance shooting per se another 25 meter bowl and getting a high score. That's not what they need. So everything's gonna be in closer uh, usually, you know, any kind of encounter they have. So work those fundamentals. And if it's you know a concealed carry type thing, I don't need to actually shoot to practice drawing the gun from, you know, whatever kind of garment I'm running. That's all dry fire training right there, uh, defeating that garment. And then yeah, get the few rounds here and there on target just to make sure you're still good with that piece. But uh, you get a half hour of that in, and you're good to go for a day. You don't have to have also all these huge uh, day-long courses out there, six, eight hours. You just, you know, constantly do some of your dry fire at home, 30 minutes. Just keep up on those skills that you learned at a shooting course uh, rather than just wait two, three months till the next shooting course comes around, and then you're kind of back at square zero again of, okay, forgot what I learned all this, you know, the last two months. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny uh when when Rick was out here um, Rick Hogg for everybody listening, um, a bunch of our guys from my group we went and took a personal class with Rick and Rick, you know, has a lot of things that are his fundamentals that he's he's put out there. He's an, an excellent instructor and he's his fundamentals are amazing. And his fundamentals do become advanced, but he says, "Hey, practice these 5 5 minutes a day." And it's amazing how, if you're not serious about it, trying to find that five minutes can be become difficult, and then your skills start to perish. You know, it, it's like you said, like if you're going to be someone who's going to carry a concealed weapon, defeating the garment, it's not the sexy part. That that is, but but until you do it and you start realizing, like, hey, you put your little orange, you know, dummy round or your little blue dummy round in your in your chamber and one in your magazine and just try drawing your weapon, getting it on target, pull the trigger, drop your mag, get your second mag up, you know, release the slide. Doing all that with a shirt overhanging everything, that is a pain in the ass. Yep. It is a pain in the ass. And it's like, well, you're hiding everything under clothing. That's the hardest part. It's yeah. it's not shooting the gun. It's it's, it's ridiculous. And I, I don't know if it – I don't know if – well, there, there's plenty of people on – instagram posting their videos of their 100 hey watch me dry fire 100 times you know concealed carry it's like hey congratulations but I, i i don't do it enough i know that
1: i don't think any of us do at the end of the day i can sit here and say you know practice 15 30 minutes a day do i honestly do that every day no uh even i know i should do that more i do make that conscious effort to make sure doing that kind of stuff uh and looking at you know oh different style of uh clothing you know t-shirt versus a uh um i forget the name of them now but my button down uh, flannel type shirts you know those are easier to
0: your magnum pi shirts yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) those are easier to defeat you know because they've got the little snap buttons so they just break apart and uh depending where you're carrying i carry appendix a lot of the time uh, it's easier to defeat that vice a standard t-shirt so but if you're gonna be playing with one style of uh clothing you gotta make sure you're able to defeat all different kinds and sometimes it just may not be i just can't carry with whatever i'm wearing so or i have to adjust where i carry so
0: yeah well and it depends what you carry too what yep. what you carry to, uh, dictates somewhat what you can wear at least in uh, you know like in the situation i'm in i i have a p320 not wearing Excellent that gun it's a great gun but i, I, I couldn't wear it in, in running shorts They'd be down around my ankles,
1: you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think females, uh, we have female clients, and, you know, they have a whole different spectrum because obviously most females don't want to just be wearing around baggy jeans and shirts or anything. You know, they're wearing more form-fitting outfits, and what are their limitations, and how do they do it? And there's some interesting little setups out there that work, and you cannot tell, so.
0: Yeah.
2: And yeah, besides just what you wear, too, uh, in Christmas and Combatants we offer a course for, like, a home defense And we take you to the range, and you get to make sure that you're proficient in the gun you're carrying or what you're wearing for the day. But some guys are great on the range, flat range, shooting, moving, you know, I'll tell you a drill, you do the drill, talk about the drill, good. But then we go and we do shoot-don't-shoot scenarios and then how your body is going to react to different sounds, different lightings. And those guys that were keyholing on the range and they've never been shot back at in real life or even in training, some of their reactions are, are subpar. So I think that kind of training is like invaluable and people get a lot out of that, you know, just a, a breaking of a piece of glass to kick off a scenario and a guy coming at you, pointing a gun at you, you might not react like you did on the range when the, the pro timer went off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that, you know, um, that, and that, and that is in all those trades that, you know, we always talk about whether it's law enforcement, military fire, it's like the emotion of the incident. Absolutely. You know, there, it takes it takes time to dull the emotion of the incident, where it you know where incidents actually slow down. You have the the ability to have those microsecond thought processes, where it actually seems like it's minutes that you're thinking and making your decisions, and and it's really not. It's, it's a very short period of time. Um, the average person doesn't have those stressors. They're not used to that stress dump, the the adrenaline dump that actually. I've found, and I'm sure you guys have too, that it just eventually just goes away on you. You don't you don't get it in those situations anymore with the tachycardia and the shaky hands and the and the the respiratory going faster and faster. It's just kind of like, okay, here we go again. Here we go again. Yep. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It is. Yeah,
1: but I mean, like I said, most civilians don't get that. and That's years of kind of being in those environments. You know, it just goes away. Yeah. Uh, how do you train a civilian to do that? I, sure uh, give them the best they can and hopefully they get you know follow on training not just realizing okay one course I'm good I know how to do it and then never do it again you know so hopefully keeping that uh, training plan going to always get better and be ready for when it does happen so
0: yeah. yeah yeah the time to train is definitely not like when it when it happens or when you think it's going to happen it's well before and for everyone listening i'll tell you right now like if you're not training right now in this country thinking something's coming then you're just deaf dumb and blind um own a gun train with a gun right now because this country's in trouble and it could be coming to your doorstep you know it could be coming to your dinner table you know taking your dinner drinking your drinks telling you to salute some kind of flag or belief that you don't believe in there's all kinds of problems out there right now and they're they're coming towards you um so what are what, what is what is the menu of classes at christensen combatives um kind of everything we're actually
1: in the midst of expanding right now so we started with just firearms that was you know kind of the gateway in doing the basic classes doing our combat pistol course um, just keeping with the firearm stuff and slowly now we're going to be able to start opening that up uh, so we opened up into the home defense piece now we've got a new training facility that we're getting into up in the Paula area. And that's actually co-sorted uh, with uh, North County uh, canine training. So they've got 1,800 acres up there. And so we're going to get into long-range shooting out there. Uh, a couple of new cadre coming on for that.
0: That's where Bill, te- Bill shoots weekly, right? Um, he's
1: up in that general area. I forget the name of the range he's actually at. Uh, yeah, he's up in that area doing that stuff. Um, so we're going to get into that piece. Uh, then We're also adding in some uh, our first basic survival course coming up soon, land navigation. Now that we have an area we can do that kind of stuff. And then uh, most recently now, me bringing on another friend, uh, Marine and Marsoc, uh, to help out with some other cool skills that they can bring to the table for uh, SEER training.
0: Cool. So we're
1: uh, slowly opening up the gates of what we can offer Uh, Part of that was just kind of the business move of firearms, great. I love training firearms, but ammunition costs, availability, kind of do keep some people away from, you know, it's a $400 course weekend and now I'm spending double that in ammo, travel, whatever it is, it becomes a $1,000 weekend real quick. Real quick. Uh, So like, okay, for the business aspect, what else can we do that people are still interested in and still are going to benefit them in the whole kind of preparedness idea? Firearms are one aspect of that. But what do you carry in your vehicle on your daily basis? You know, do you have a basic bug out, basic means to, you know, here in Southern California, not a big deal to stay warm at night if you know your car breaks down somewhere, but other parts of the country, that's a big thing. Do you keep basic sleeping bag or fire making material, uh, things like that, that just might hold you over for a couple of days until help comes. Uh, here that kind of applies out going to a desert you break down out there, no one's coming around anytime soon. A lot of times I've been out there and seen nobody. So yeah. you know, do you have a couple of days' worth of supplies? Do you know how to make a fire, how to get water? Do you carry enough water? Um, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, the mountains here, you know, everyone thinks, you know, sunny San Diego beach, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Sure, it, great beaches, you know. Um, but like you said, San Diego County runs from the desert up and over the mountains, through the inland valleys, down you know through the riverbeds, all the way to the ocean, mm-hmm. and you can hit everything here. And yeah. um, I always have. It's funny. I went to my daughter's graduation the other day. My father-in-law was in town, and my wife says, "Hey, do you have a blanket in the in the in the truck?" And I said, "Yeah." So I opened up the tailgate and I unzipped this bag, and you know I had a you know a puffy coat. You know everyone's got to have a puffy coat, right? Big roll of toilet paper, beanie, gloves, fire starting kit. <laughs> You know, there's you a, like, you're crazy. Yeah. Five degree bag in the back. And then there's a little down uh, blanket, you know, stuff sack down blanket. He looked at me, he says, you really have that in there? Yeah. And all my kids do too. Mm-hmm. You know, at least I, I tell them to, of course, you know, they end up like taking stuff out over time, but like, you never know. It's kind of, it's kind of like the concept of, um, as my kids went off to college, The the first one went and one day he was leaving and he was leaving in flip flops. And I said, that's a bad idea. He says, what? I said, driving in flip-flops is a real bad idea. He says, why? I said, what are you going to do if you get a flat change a tire? What if you get two flats? What if you run out of gas? You're going to walk in flip-flops? Make sure you have socks and running shoes at least with you. Hat, gloves, socks, running shoes, water. You always got to have water. You know, and, and uh, I've seen him change. You know, and it's it's good. Like, I, whenever I drive, I, I don't I don't drive in flip flops. I drive in real shoes. You know, because I I don't want to ever be in that situation where all of a sudden I have a flip flop blowout when I gotta make some kind of adjustment to the stressors of my environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know. So a lot of
2: people don't think like that though. You know, they just don't until someone tells them. Yeah, the kind of clients that knows yep. those little maggots they come to these classes, you know emergency beacons on their phone that they carry in their pocket every day or they're just carrying a pair of sneakers that are in their, in their car for that situation. But a lot of people, that's not their world. That's not their environment to think about that kind of preparedness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so easy nowadays too. I mean, like we're talking about like everyone has a phone, you know, there's very little part of the country that's not covered by the 5g process. Now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does happen. I, I was, I was out in between uh, Phoenix and San Diego a couple of weeks ago and there was a, sp- a spot out there and, Told my daughter, I said flat out, you can't drive through here. Why not? Because this is a black hole. You know, this is a black hole. You're not. I don't want you ever using this road. You know, just stay on the main roads and you will be fine. You know, there's 5G all the way through. Um, but with that being said, you, you can download maps onto your phone. You know, Gaia Maps. You can yep. get those on there and then app. yeah, and then you, you can you can get anywhere with your phone. And then you can have a solar charger for your phone. And it's, it's so simple. Like you said, Mike, and yeah. it's just like, I guess people just don't think the way we think, but like, it's so simple to have those niceties and the luxuries and the conveniences of having everything at your fingertips mm-hmm. and being able to use it. But people just think like, oh, this is for texting and taking pictures and you know surfing the internet and who, who, who knows what else people
1: do with it. Yeah. But, I mean, and while well, it's easy, but you know, the flip side of that coin, devil's advocate, is how easy it is for that network to go down. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just saw that with the uh, pipeline hacking and different hospitals having their computer systems, you know, ransomware. Uh, it's a pretty fragile system at the end of the day as well.
0: And did, did you guys see that the government got the money, the cryptocurrency back that they paid to put the pipeline back into operation? No, I did not. I read that, and I don't know if that's true. But if it's true, how the fuck did they get it back? I going
1: to research that <laughs> one. <laughs>
0: you know what that te- – like, if that's true, you know what it tells me? Is they did it themselves.
1: Yep. Yeah, that would be 100%. Uh...
0: You know, like, I, I, I've been hearing that uh, out of preparedness, and this this is a good segue because, you know, like everything you guys are teaching, I've been hearing that there is a planned power grid shutdown coming at the end of the Arizona recount. Through through all the back channels I have of all the like people I've met, you know, we we know a lot of the same people, yep. and there there's a lot of secure communication routes out there now, other than text messaging and and IG. And mm-hmm. I, I I was placed on something like that. I'm not even gonna say what it is <laughs> because I I didn't ask to be on it. I just got included, <laughs> and there's a lot of information coming through it that like. Kind of blows my mind sometimes. Yeah, and was just told, "Hey, in the next four to eight weeks, be prepared. You know, they are going to shut down the power grid." And
1: mm-hmm. then think of the chaos that's going to ensue from that. Cause, yeah, yeah. I mean, people, you lose power, and they don't know what to do. Yeah. So, I think you saw Mike a few years back. You said San or San Diego had. uh 24-hour blackout. Oh, I was there. Yeah, back or in 2009-10, okay, I, I, yeah,
2: like I was coming off the base of uh, MCRD over there off of Rosecrans. Mm-hmm. And they lost power. And I, you know, I only had to go maybe 20 miles just not having, like, stoplights and people not knowing how to use, like, a four-way stop. There were people looting, people running into each other. It was, like, pure chaos. It took me four hours to get from San Diego to, you know, Escondido. Is insane
0: you know it's funny I was um, I was on I, I was at work when that happened mm-hmm. and I remember exactly where I was I was at a MTS rail crossing on Byer Boulevard and I was on truck 29 sitting in the seat and I saw the power go out and I saw the rail guards come down and I realized what happened because there was no they came down because of loss of power and then I looked around I saw everything out of power and I had a flashback. Like, part of my personal history, I was in Hurricane Katrina. Yep. And I was there for the whole thing. And you guys probably were there too, huh?
2: Uh, I didn't personally come down there, but we did send, send teams down. The helicopters went first, of course, and then they actually sent some of these tactical teams to get on those little skiff boats and start performing rescues and humanitarian stuff.
0: So you guys probably heard the stories about what happened. Like, like the, 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 the rumors of what really happened in, in Katrina, we're real like it was it was fucked up third world civil war type shit you yeah. know people killing people yeah. over everything then, like i i saw some gnarly stuff i saw dogs eating people you know dogs eating dogs just like anyway i had i immediately like since i realized what happened i had a flashback and uh tried to call my wife got through for like 30 seconds before cellular went down and then it was text only And and i got through i said it just told her, like, power's out, lock down the house, get the guns, load the guns, don't leave. And then, um, you know, we got, we got held over, like, for two, two three days because of that, because people couldn't come to work, and I forget how long it lasted. It, it lasted, like, 36, 48 hours or something yeah. like that.
2: I mean, it, I mean, it was long for, for the normal person, I think, but, I mean, you know, we, we found out who had propane and who had dry ice, and, you know, we cooked for the neighbors, and, yeah. Guys who had flashlights and candles helped the people that didn't, and we we kind of just made it, so we were pretty fortunate. But I know some people were losing their minds.
0: Yeah, it could have been bad. It could have been bad. Yeah, I remember that there there was a, a guy that decided at the time he he uh, showed his true colors. You know that he, he became the weed in the lawn. He he stopped by a fire station and took all the ice and and a bunch of the batteries, and and it was like. What the hell are you doing, man? You know, but he got called out on it, and he returned. He returned the batteries. Obviously, the ice had melted, but yeah,
1: it was yeah, just looking out for himself and
0: looking out for himself. Doesn't get you anywhere. No, I before team, man. It doesn't work.
2: Yeah. Some people just adapt and overcome. Sidebar: I got <coughs> remarried last August. Yeah, up in Escondido, my wife and outdoor wedding, 95 degrees. Planned power grid shutdown. They didn't tell us that. I get married, sun goes down, all the lights turn off. Guess what? No one freaked out. Brett pulls the Jeep around, Billy pulls the Raptor around, all the KC lights come on, We make a bonfire, beer's still cold, wedding goes on. Survival. Nice. Carver yep. coming back on the next morning.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's knowing how to live in the changes, man. Yeah. You know, just not, not letting things rile you up and get you, you know, stressed out.
2: Yeah, that was on our wedding day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> cool.
2: Yeah, that's
0: a good. good story. So so full spectrum of classes through Christensen Combatives. You guys are both instructing full-time here at Academy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And obviously Academy has government contracts. So we're not going to talk too much about that. But just it's a great facility. Are you allowed to uh, hold your classes here at the Academy facility or do you have to go elsewhere? Yep, we've done a couple of
1: close-course combat classes here. So done one of the ranges here and uh, it's got some great pieces of work we're hoping to add more here so and then again like I said we've got that new area up in the Paula area that we're really excited about so that's just got a lot more opportunity to offer more so
0: well, that's going to be cool yep great classes it's a little hot out
1: there in the uh, August when we're out on the land nav course but yeah, that'll That's be part a part of it. <laughs> that'll be a tough
0: time to be out there, yep. you know. You sure really get the grit. For everybody. Yeah. See, who, you're quitting. You're a wimp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little old lady, I just want to know where to go. <laughs> 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 Which ways east never eats sour wheat? Right. <laughs> you're looking the wrong way. It's downhill to the ocean. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we've been going well over an hour nice it goes that quick man by. yeah I, I told you it's like you know you get together you just start shooting the shit it's amazing how full of hot air we are yeah <laughs> you know it's just like we start telling stories and so speaking of telling stories let's do that let's do it you guys have any there i was stories like your best like story of like bar story like you'll never believe this type thing he nice, has got all the good bar stories. Yeah. We've <laughs> not, not
2: a Riff's not a huge drinker. He comes over to the house and he can he can hold a cup of a bourbon almost the entire night. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cheap yeah. date. Cheap date. Yeah. Cheap date. Easy too.
0: <laughs> that's good.
1: Yeah, um, there I was stories. Uh that's a tough one, honestly. Like, I might have to think for just a minute on that one here as we uh talk about some other stuff. So, that's cool. Give me a shot and maybe warm me up a little bit.
2: <laughs> Next time we'll bring the beers for sure. Yep. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. Let's figure out something here. Well, I know you, I know you got good stuff stored up somewhere, but um, let's talk about where people can find you guys. Like, yeah. So we're on uh, Instagram, Christians Combatives, uh,
1: Facebook with the same name, and uh, currently on the website we've got uh, www dot weeblysite.com it's a little weird it's in the transition right now uh, but if you at least just google christians and combatives will come up we just added a bunch of uh good new courses to that whole uh, website and we'll be doing more very soon so like i said excited for uh growing the company and being able to offer everybody more than just uh, firearms training cool
2: yeah we're not we're not too big for our britches either when me and brett first decided to do this we we wanted to produce like an honest great product and not grow too fast so our personal information is on there too because we get clients and whoever's listening you can text us call us we're never too busy if we don't answer right away of course we'll get back to you but we're not that that huge of a company yet to where you know we need to have someone else doing that for us so we're really personal with our with all the clients and it's almost Almost like a small family we got a lot of repeat people that come back through this thing so yeah we, we know personal things about our clients and they just hit us up on the regular when they have questions about training or something they forgot or an idea they might want to do in the future so the clients themselves are kind of helping us develop new ideas as well
0: that's huge it's huge uh, you know like people want to belong to you know people are tribal we're animals and we're pack animals and. You know, just as you guys were in, in, in the teams and then you came out and you created your own team and then you're working together, people want to be with like-minded people. And the fact that you're accessible to your clients is huge yep. because they're like-minded. They came and learned from you. Yep. You know, they wanted to hear what you had to say. They wanted to uh, implement your, your strategies, your tactics, your, your thought processes, your, your manipulations, your care and maintenance of firearms, your skill sets that you have available They wanted to hear them and the fact that you're there for them you know 24 7 365 you know through text message or a phone call and in common hours it's amazing you know it's 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 not common these days i mean how often do we get frustrated all of us you know calling a number and it's like press one four press two for this press three for this (laughs) and a
1: person in india that's
0: yeah, and then answer
1: your question, and yeah, and
0: then you hit zero, and you and you get a different menu. You're like, I just want to talk to a fucking person, you know? know? <laughs> just like, God damn it, just I want to talk to a human being. Yeah, let me see what I can do. Press one for you're just yeah. like, shit. You gotta Not be kidding to, me. Uh,
1: hit us up. It's either me or Mike on the other end. Nobody else. Uh, if you run into technical difficulties working anything, that's on me. I'm still learning all the. Uh, social media pieces and how to run a website so uh, bear with us on that end please
0: isn't that a pain in the ass
1: it's a huge that's the one part you know the business license that was the easy part yeah legalzoom.com got everything done yeah it's all the back end stuff that's uh you know no one talks about there but uh, learning how to set up a website luckily we had one of our clients he's in the it world cybersecurity. i was able to help with that piece a whole bunch and I uh, design graphics and whatnot but yeah learning how to I mean this day and age it's social media it's Instagram that's kind of that free marketing aspect yeah I am not an Instagram whiz at all so it's been a big learning curve and uh still learning or I'll put a post up and uh Mike's wife she'll hit me up like hey you uh misspelled this or uh what about this and like, I need to run this stuff through you want Marketing directors, so, yeah, you know, like, right. I yeah. miss stuff like that. And, yeah, uh,
0: hey, it's just so all you know out there, Instagram does not have spell check. No. Right, I've, I've found that one out the hard way several times.
1: <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, you are trying to keep dates straight on everything, and uh, you know what are you offering, and yeah, it's a challenge, but it's definitely rewarding. Like I said, you know, wouldn't be doing this if we didn't want to. So it could have very easily just been, hey, take my military retirement. Maybe work another little job or just get a place that's a lot cheaper to live and Yeah. do nothing, you know, greet at Home Depot and call it a day. But the end of the day, that's not who we are. I'd still rather be out there giving at least something to people. I think I have something to offer. I think Mike does and anybody we bring on uh, just to help make people better at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, you guys definitely do. That's for sure. You guys have a lot to offer and uh, the classes seem pretty dang cool. Yeah, we
1: got to get you in one someday here. Yeah, it's I'd love to. to.
0: Sure. I would love to get my wife to to come into the home defense class with me. Yep. You know, um, that's that's always my concern. You know, when being, you know, I'm still in that phase of life where I'm gone a lot. Yep. And you know, just the whole concept of, you know, the stress of, I it horrifies me to think of the people that actually have to defend their home. That that uh are not used to the situation yeah. of to, you, can you imagine not being used to a stressful situation having to defend your home oh, yeah, like be... i i mean i i think it'd be stressful for me but i don't think it would be a stress dump no. you know and i don't think i'd hesitate to defend my home at all it would it would not bother me it's like nope. oh you made a bad fucking choice and luckily california we do
1: have the castle doctrine so we are allowed to defend your home in california there are a few states you can't view. right yeah, but everyone gets kind of, they come to that home defense and honestly, your answer, get out. Send your kids to the neighbor, you get to the neighbors, call the cops, let them, you know, nothing in your home is worth dying for. No. Yeah. But obviously that makes for a real boring class. Yeah. So we add in those stressors of, yeah, well, maybe you can't or you have to get to your kid's bedroom because you're separated on the house and you hear that back window shatter. How do I, you know, move through my house somewhat, you know, tactically uh, to at least use my cover concealment to the best. And then, yeah, you actually do see that person. Like Mike was saying, you're great on the flat range, but can you do it when you see that actual person face-to-face and you see that gun? So adding those extra dynamics in there.
2: And that's a beautiful thing, introducing, like, your wife or significant other or your roommate or whoever. They're just a force, like, multiplier. Now you have two people that have yeah. similar training. So there's two versus instead of just one. Yeah. Uh, I remember when we first started doing this, we'd have my wife come up and get on the catwalk and watch. She well, She doesn't think like me. Uh, initially and we had her play out four where she got to get shot at and shoot back at people and now she's buying guns and wants to come to the training and you know spark something in her so having couples come out that's that's a great thing yeah running drills at your house like brett tells you know with kids hey what do you do when you hear that in the middle of the night
0: yeah yeah you know it's like I, i think you know like kids learn um kids and parents always do the fire drill in the home thing yeah you know uh you know for us we teach we used to teach this thing. We used to go to schools, you know, pre-COVID and you'd do school visitations and you would hand out materials and Edith, escape drills in the home. You know, you'd teach kids that, like, hey, have a rally point, have a plan, have two ways out of every room. And they'd take it home to their parents, teach their parents, all that. Um, but how cool it would be to have, like, you know, like someone breaks into your house, sound goes off, everyone knows, like, hey, this is the rally point, yep. you know.
1: Get into a bedroom, hard point, whatever it is. And yeah. Like I said, nothing in your home is worth dying over. You can buy that new 80-inch TV, get new stuff. So, yeah. Kids, family, that's not replaceable.
0: Yeah. I, I like the meme of uh, the window breaks, the lights turn on to red, and let the bodies hit the floor starts playing.
2: <laughs> I, I've seen that one. <laughs> Great song. Great song.
0: Yeah. It's like <laughs> – Wrong house. <laughs> 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 wrong fucking house. I got to go. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, I think that's one of my favorite memes out there. You're going to that one to me. So yeah, maybe. I'll find it. I'll find one. it and get it over to you. Post that one up. Yeah. Mike, how about you? Where can, where can people find you? Or do you want to be found? Do you want to stay with?
2: Uh, so I have a, my own personal site. You know, I repost all Brett's stuff right now. Yeah. Uh, but we mainly rely just on the Christian singing matters. Uh, if you want to check me out, though, it's Chino James 79. I keep it kind of discreet because it's mostly yeah. just close friends and family. Yeah, that's but, the one uh, I have. But Yeah, and then, as you know. There's a
0: dot in there, too, isn't there?
2: Yeah, a hashtag in there Yeah, somewhere. But, yeah, yeah. we mainly ran all the Christian Sick Batter stuff right off uh, Brett's site. Cool. Yeah, so give us a follow, and
1: uh, hopefully we'll see you.
0: Yeah. So if you guys, any, any of you listening out there, if you're in the Southern California area, I, I know that um, you've seen through... Tier one athletes that instructors come through uh, instructors from the west coast east coast um, these are instructors you have right here in your backyard these are people that live here uh, they train here they have facilities here and training's available for you um, so now you know where to find them uh, all of you that are gun owners become proficient get trained and uh, come meet brett and chris or brett and mike and uh, take Christensen, combatives, classes. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot, man. You know, it's, it's hard sometimes being the host. you got to talk a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but it's better than being the guest. Like, when you're the guest, you're on the spot. I am. Yeah. I mean, this is actually easier than I thought. I appreciate you having us out. Oh, dude, it's it's so yeah. much fun. It's like I told you guys. Like, it's this is, I mean, this is just like, up oh, I hit the mic. We're just sitting here shooting the shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's missing is, you know, bar room background and, and a few drinks. Yep. That's happened yeah. next time. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Well, we'll, do, we'll come back maybe in a year or so, and we'll do it again, see how Christensen yeah, yeah. Combatives has grown.
2: Absolutely. Thank so, you.
0: Cool, man. Mike, Brett, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having us. You bet.